Hello and Happy New Year. Welcome back to Motherhood Interrupted. I am your host, Kimberly Lovey. You guys, I am so excited to welcome you back. We had a wonderful break and I hope you guys did too. I'm definitely feeling some amazing 2023 vibes. And I have been sitting on this interview for a couple weeks now because I really needed to make sure that I had your attention and I could not possibly stand to drop it over the break where you could have missed it. So now that we're all back, our kids are in school, thank goodness, bless you teachers once again, and we are back in our normal routines. Maybe some of us have even added a, let's just say a workout, right? Like mm, me, and we're back together. We have been reunited and it feels so good do you like that anyway with that i'm so excited for you guys to hear leslie's story and i had no idea that she was adopted until this interview so originally i had asked her to come on because so leslie and zach have four kids and they adopted avery when she was one year old and she's going to tell us all about it And basically, she just casually dropped in that she had been adopted. And it just really shocked me. So anyway, it's such an amazing story. And I really just wanted to publish this because I feel like adoption is something that we all know is out there, but I personally know nothing about it. And I really wanted to understand the behind the scenes of it and let you guys in on the conversation. I definitely wanted to ask Leslie this earlier on in our friendship and I purposely didn't because I wanted to capture this and really share it with you guys because I just knew that it was going to be educational and heartwarming, inspiring, and that's exactly what it was. So I'm so happy you guys are here with us today listening in and Leslie was just so gracious, so open and honest, and I just somehow fell madly in love with her even more than I already was. Just so you guys know, Zach is not on, but shout out to Zach because he is Leslie's husband who is incredible also. And we just love the Schulers. And I'm just so grateful for their friendship. And again, for Leslie, thank you again for joining us and sharing this beautiful story of both you and Avery's adoption. Leslie Schuler, welcome to the podcast. I love you so much. How are you? Hi, thank you for having me. I am good. I'm excited to sit down and chat with you. I am so excited. So, so Leslie, how many kids do you have? We have four kids. Okay. How old are they and how far apart are they? So our first one is Austin. He is almost 18 and uh, he is biological. And then our next daughter is Allison and she's 16 and she is biological as well. Then we adopted our daughter, Avery. She is 15 and she was adopted from Ethiopia. And then our youngest is Anderson and he is 11. He'll be 12 in the beginning of the year. Oh my gosh. Okay. So here's the thing. I come from a family with some adopted aunts and uncles and my mom was one of five. And basically the history we have in our family is that 
my grandmother couldn't get pregnant. And so she adopted a boy and then a girl. And then as the old wives tale goes, she slipped on the market floor, something got knocked loose and she got pregnant with my mom and ended up having three biological kids. So a total of five kids, two adopted, three biological. And what I was sharing with one of our mutual friends is that the adoption thing I think is so interesting because I do believe, or from what I understand just within our family, it's like everyone's, obviously everyone's story is different, but also the experience of the family is so different. So for example, the older son had a harder time and I think he really struggled with being adopted. And then my mom's older sister, who was also adopted, she on the reverse side was always the favorite, right? And so I just think that bringing in adoption is, it's obviously such a beautiful thing, but I'm always interested to hear kind of how, how it works within your family dynamics. So I guess my first question for you is what made you and Zach want to adopt a child? That's a good question. And that's generally the first question that people will often ask me when they, when they learn about our story. So when I was in college, I had decided that I wanted to adopt when I was older and able to, I myself am adopted. So growing up adoption was just something that was very normal to me. And when I started learning about China's one child policy and how they would often put the baby girls in orphanages so that they can continue trying for a boy, it broke my heart. And I thought when I'm older one day, I'm gonna adopt a baby girl from China. And uh, fast forward, Zach and I are dating, and I think it was like first or second date, and just kind of like asking the questions of, you know, where do you see yourself? What does your life look like? And I told him that I wanted to adopt one day, and he ironically had the same thoughts. He as well wanted to adopt. So it was really great. We were just on the same page from the beginning, and we kind of had this little plan in our head, have to adopt one if, you know, all the stars aligned and I had no issues having babies which fortunately I didn't. And so we, we did it. We uh, had Austin and then we had Allie. And when it was time to adopt, we kind of looked around and thought, well, China's need has really been, it become very popular to adopt from China. And the wait times were very long. And it felt like that a lot of the girls were, were finding homes from there. And so we kind of did a pivot and we wanted to see where can we take a child from really the worst circumstances, the most dire circumstances and give them a life that they never would have experienced otherwise. And so that's what led us to Ethiopia. I'm trying not to cry. That is so beautiful. Um, (laughs) By the way, I don't know if it's my pregnancy hormone still, but I cry all the time. So if I get (laughs) choked up throughout this, I'm really sorry. I can't hear something sad and not cry. Okay. Not that that's sad. That was beautiful. So, okay. That's incredible. So you guys were on the same page and had this plan from the beginning. That's insane. Okay. Before we dive into Avery's story further, I did not know you were adopted. Can you share a little bit about that story? I can. It's, uh, it's a little, it's complicated in, in, in a part, which can be part two of this one day. However, um, I am an only child. I was adopted at birth my mom and dad were not able to have children. My mom was 40 when they adopted me and my dad was 32. So she's the older woman. And um, my birth mom was a teenager and she was from Michigan. And her family, when they found out about the pregnancy, moved her and her older sister 
to California to kind of hide it and put them up in an apartment. He had friends in the movie business. So my aunt Karen got a job at the movie studios while my birth mom, Mary Beth stayed home until I was born. And uh, I was born in Los Angeles. And then my birth mom and aunt returned back to Michigan and I was adopted by my mom and dad. Oh my goodness. And then did they tell you about your adoption? At what age did they tell you about you being adopted? They, I feel like they always told me I was adopted and I always had heard the word. It really was more of an understanding of when did I get what that meant? You know, you're adopted, you're adopted, you're adopted, you were chosen. Just like you've heard people say, you know, you were chosen, chosen. And I didn't really understand what that meant until I was at summer camp and some girls were really mean. <laughs> and told, well, I just remember with them teasing me about being adopted and saying that somebody didn't want me. And, uh, that's why I was given up. And so I broke into, it was sleepaway camp in New Mexico, mind you. So I was far away and they had to get my parents on the phone. And anyway, so that's funny. Cause that's my real first memory of understanding adoption. And after that, I, I, I never had an issue with it. It's just that, that moment was not happening. Of course not. And how old were you? I was probably in like third grade, maybe third or fourth grade. So you kind of knew you come to the realization and as you were growing up and starting to really fully understand what that meant, did you have curiosity about the why, the who, like, how does that all unfold and play out as someone that's been adopted? Oh, very much so. I always wondered, and especially because I don't look like my mom and dad, so I wanted to know that was like, for me, one of the biggest things is who do I look like? Where do I come from? And that was a hard question. I would, you know, I remember being little and walking down the street and looking at people and thinking like, are you my mom? Are you my mom? Oh my um, or then, you know, when I was little, it pretending like I, maybe I'd see like a famous movie star and she'd be blonde with blue eyes. I'm like, maybe she's my mom. <laughs> oh my um, so yeah, there's always that longing to know but it was something I kept inside. I don't really ever remember feeling comfortable and having those conversations with my mom and dad. It was just more of an, an inner, you know, desire that I kind of battled with. Of course. And so were you able to understand or find out who your mom was or connect with her ever? When I was a teenager, when I was 16, my birth mom found us in California and sent a telegram to my mom and dad asking if she could meet with them and myself. She had flown out with her parents and her sister from Michigan in hopes to meet me. And my parents put the kibosh on that. They said no. <laughs> so you've never met her? I have now. Parents thought that I would be like, peace out. I'm moving to Michigan because I hate you too. <laughs> you know, I just, I was, I was a little bit of a troublemaker at 16. And so my mom and dad went to meet her at the hotel. They did go see her in person. You know, unfortunately my, my parents were a little, they come from a little more of the old school thought of when you give a child up for adoption, you're kind of done, you're out. There's, they're not really part of this open adoption era. And so that was just very challenging for them to wrap their heads around it. And I think they felt a little incensed that she was trying to waltz back in, in their eyes, um, not seeing it from, you know, a different point of view. So 
long story short, she had left a letter for me with a mutual friend, which is a, a story we can always dive into, but it's a little complicated. And I got that letter at a 20th birthday at a Mexican restaurant in the Valley and read it. And it was one of the most beautiful letters I've ever written. And it had pictures inside. So I finally got to see her and it had phone numbers and I held on to it for probably a while. And then one day I just called and that was the beginning of a slow building relationship that now is very, very, um, we're very close. Oh my gosh. I had no idea. And so does she live in Michigan still? She does. Yeah. She lives in Michigan, unfortunately. So I don't see her as often as I'd like. She married later in life. I want to say like in her mid thirties and unfortunately was never able to have children again after me. So she in turn adopted two daughters from Guatemala. Wow. Wow. That is amazing. And how do your parents feel about your relationship with your biological mother? It's the elephant in the room. We don't talk about it. They've never really accepted it. So I've just kind of kept those two worlds as separate as possible. Yeah, I can understand. I mean, I can't understand, but I can only imagine the sensitivity with something like that. So now you're in a place where you have two young kids and you're like, we're ready to adopt. For those of us that don't know anything about adoption, can you walk us through the process? Because I believe it's quite a process and I know nothing about it. What's the first step? It is quite a process. Well, once we settled on Ethiopia as the country we wanted to adopt from, we started to do research as to where we could find an international adoption agency that worked with the Ethiopian country and government. And there's many adoption agencies out there that work internationally, and some of them just work with a few different countries. So we had to find one that, uh, again, worked with Ethiopia. So We found some on the East Coast, but I'd found one that was located up in Oregon called Dove International Adoptions. And I just thought, gosh, you know, working in our own time zone, it's going to be so much easier when we've got to make phone calls or just quick questions or, or, you know, all of that stuff. So we had a chat with Dove. We really liked them. They were a smaller agency. They only worked with three countries. So they weren't this big, you know, just this big conglomerate and was very personalized. And so we kind of move forward with them and paid the deposit and and got our first big packet, like our welcome packet of all the information that we needed to do to begin. And it was so long ago now that I don't really remember the exact steps of what came what, but I can just tell you it was a lot of obviously background information, letters of references, letters from friends, everything was in triplicate, bank statements, my goodness, you know, marriage certificates, birth certificates. It was just, it was basically a lot of busy work of compiling a lot of information to send, you know, when we completed what's called the dossier to, and everything was notarized. Thank God I worked in an office where we had a notary in our office because I was at her desk like every other day. Wow. So it was very, yeah. So yeah, it's really just a lot of, of collecting paperwork and references and interviews Boy, yeah. And then, you know, it's, it's it took a few months and then, you know, submitting the paperwork and then kind of waiting on the Ethiopian government for approval and, and things okay. like that. So then, so you do all this legwork, it takes months and you submit it to the Ethiopian government to approve, review and approve that. Yes. And you're probably on pins and needles at this point. And so then they give you back the, okay. And then what happens? So... 
then the agency kind of works with us to really determine what are we looking for? Meaning, do we want a boy? Do we want a girl? Do we have an age factor? Um, coming from Ethiopia, we could specify certain health conditions that we may or may not want to, you know, be able to, to parent a child with. And so we, we had interviews with them over the phone and really kind of laid out. We decided that we wanted to adopt a baby girl. I thought that that would be myself being adopted could relate to her and questions and concerns and just thoughts that she might process easier since I'm a girl as well. That, you know, that mother, that not having your birth mother in your life, just not having that experience of not having your birth mother in your life. I thought that having a girl would be an easier choice to adopt than a boy. So, and we wanted one, you know, 12 months or or younger. We really wanted a baby as, as young as we could adopt. And so once we submitted all of that information, then it's really just kind of getting paired with the right match when babies are coming into the orphanage. And so you're waiting. And what's funny is that I remember the agency telling us like after that final, that call, they said, okay, the next time you hear from us, we're going to have your referral. So if you see us calling, it's not going to be because we have a question or anything like that. The next time we call and it might, might be in two months, three months, four months, but know that that's what that phone call is about. And so they called way quicker than they were supposed to. (laughs) Avery came really fast. (laughs) Oh my gosh. How long was it? I don't remember how long it was, but I know my girls are only nine months apart in age. And that's not what I planned. (laughs) I planned for them to be closer to like, I don't know, over a year apart and they weren't. So that was, that was a monkey wrench, but a good one, a good one. Oh my gosh. That is wild. Okay. So they call you, they're like, we have a baby girl and then you freak out. I'm sure. And probably cry. And then what do you go there? She comes here. How does this go down? So, uh, the next steps are that once we accept her as a referral, which we did, but we had, we had hired, a an international adoption pediatrician out here. We submitted all of her blood work and her lab work to him. And he just had some other specific tests that he wanted run that weren't part of the general panel. So we had that done. And then once things came back looking the way that he wanted them to, it was like a final kind of approval. And then we just really had to wait and go through a lot more red tape. So we would get like monthly updates from the orphanage with pictures of her. And it that took a, that took a a while, like probably about five months to get through all of that red tape to finally like get that final seal of approval. And we could have gone to Ethiopia to pick her up and fly her home. But the kids were just, I mean, they were so young. I couldn't leave them for three weeks to go to Ethiopia. So we had her escorted to Oregon. So the agency went and flew her home from Ethiopia. And then we flew up to Oregon where they were based, picked her up at the airport spent the weekend in Oregon with her and then flew home. Oh my goodness. That yeah. is wild. So, and when you picked her up, was it just you and Zach? You didn't bring the littles. We didn't bring the littles. Yeah. No, they would, they were so, they would have been like, where, yeah. what are we doing? Yeah, exactly. I'm imagining I still, my kids are five and six, the, the big kids now, and I still haven't flown with them <laughs> like in no rush. So yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. I think yeah. that that sounds like a good solution. So what was that moment like when she came off the plane and you saw her? You know, it was, 
it was bitter. It was like, it was, it was so bittersweet and it was very surreal. I remember just scooping her up from the, from the lady, her name was Tammy. And uh, I think she said she probably needs a diaper change. And so I kind of took her off to the bathroom and laid her down on the, you know, the changing table in the bathroom and was kind of tripping out, you know, and she was so tiny. I mean, you know, one of the lovely things about Ethiopia and the orphanages there is that the care they give the babies as understaffed as they are, they really do love them. It's a very nurturing and loving country. And so while they're spread very thin and the babies probably they're, they're all quite malnourished and, you know, and getting much less attention than they should be. They, you can tell they're really doing their best and they love them so wholeheartedly. So Avery was a year, but she wasn't even crawling and she didn't even have teeth yet. And she was in the 10th percentile. So she was just this tiny little bean <laughs> staring up at me with the most beautiful big brown eyes and sucking her thumb and probably just completely tripping out. Like, because I, I we also thought about this later, like she probably had never really even seen, you know, Caucasian people before. Everybody is dark skinned where she was from. And so I'm sure that was a big like shocker on the airplane and going on an airplane. And then all these like, these, you know, white people everywhere. And now I'm holding you. And she's like, you do not look like anybody I have ever seen in my life. That's true. And, um, but she was very, she was very tolerant and very sweet. And uh, yeah, I just remember we put her in the car seat, took her back to the hotel. Like first thing I did was just give her a bath and fed her and, I remember, yeah. I mean, she was a very, for the most part, very easy. Like she slept well. And so those stressors didn't really come into play. Thank goodness. Oh, that's nice that she was able to make such a smooth transition. Yeah. So what about her name? Did you name her? She had her name already, or you decided after, how did that all go down? So we named her, the orphanage gave her a name, the name of Mimi, which means little girl in Ethiopian, but that wasn't something we were going to keep. So we were kind of struggling with a name. We were trying to think outside the box when we had already named Austin and Allie and they both, both their names started with an A. And so we were thinking like, I don't know, is she going to feel weird that her name doesn't start with an A? You know, she's already adopted and she's a different skin color. And I, it might sound silly, but we just, we never wanted her to think like, well, they have, why don't I have an A name? They have A names. I'm, I'm already different. I so we uh, we named her Avery. <laughs> so that's where Avery came from. And she has my middle name, which is Lynn. And it's just, it's spelled a little different. It's just L-Y-N. So we gave her Avery Lynn so that we had that, you know, we shared that connection. And that's how the name came into play. And did you give her the name once she was in your arms or after you knew that she, you were going to have her? We knew. Yeah, we had, we had worked on the name, like once we you know, started the adoption process. And I think Zach and I went through a lot of A's together, you know, rejecting a lot of the names that he was coming up with or that I was coming up with. Yeah. And so <laughs> you know, we all know how that goes, right? Oh yeah. We all know. <laughs> yeah. So no, we knew when we saw her, she was Avery, Avery Lynn. That is the most incredible thing. I can't even believe it. Okay. And so I love also, it seems like, I mean, I'm just guessing, but with Austin and Allie being so young still, they probably don't even remember not having Avery, right? They don't. I think I've asked them both this question and I'm pretty sure, I feel like Austin might've said 
he does remember time without Avery, but maybe just like a brief moment of something mm. or he remembers her coming home. I can't remember which it is. And Allie, no, she doesn't remember any time because the girls ended up sharing a room together. I converted Allison's room and, and put Avery's name on the wall. And then they had two cribs and Allie says, I just remember trying to talk to Avery because Allie was a chatterbox in bed and she'd be like, Avery, 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 are you awake? And Avery wasn't verbal yet. So I think Avery was kind of like staring at her, like, you talking to me? And Allie's like, so glad I have someone to talk to in my room. Oh my goodness. Okay. And then, so then you have your three kids and then how, how did you end up with your last child? Was that a planned pregnancy or was that a surprise? That was a surprise. Yeah. Um, I was 39 when I had him. So he, uh, he wasn't in the, he wasn't in the books, but man, that little nugget is the biggest blessing. And, uh, it's funny. We lived in our old house below the Reagan library and we had to actually like do an addition. We had to build on and add more rooms because we were, I mean, we could have, you know, the girls already shared a room and Austin had a room and we had to live in nanny at that time because they were so young. And so now throwing another baby into the mix, we needed another bedroom. So yeah, we had to add on, but, um, yes, he was just a gift from God. Oh my gosh. That makes me want baby four. Don't tell Brian. Good thing. He doesn't. Ah! This. <laughs> I feel like four would be perfect. Okay. So then, so now you have your four babies. So how, how does this unfold as far as telling Avery she's adopted and not only Avery, but the rest of the kids. And how does that all go with you guys? Um, you know, I think they had modeled it after my own experience. And so we always, always shared with Avery that she was adopted. You know, it wasn't really rocket science. When you look at the family, it's, it's quite apparent. I think that she is adopted and I think she got that really young on. It's really special to me because Austin and Allison have never felt that she wasn't like she's just she's just Avery right like Austin's just Austin and he can piss his siblings off and like she's not Avery adopted she's just Avery Avery. she's just like I just like like she came out of me like everybody else did so Mm -hmm. they don't see a difference and it's it's neat because they are (laughs) obviously sometimes kids at school are like Oh wait, you guys are sisters. <laughs> so they, they love that. Like they think it's quite funny. I mean, I think sometimes it annoys them now, but it's always just been, they've been protective of her and um, they enjoy the humor when people don't kind of like place them all together. Even they, it's funny because they share a ceramics that my girls share a ceramics class this year, which is very unlikely. Like that just doesn't happen at school because they're two grades apart. But anyway, Avery added late, had to take an art, ended up getting put in ceramics and lo and behold, got put in Allison's class. So one day Allie had left early and Avery didn't know it. And she went up to the teacher. She said, did my sister go home early? And he's like, who's your sister? (laughs) And she's like, Allie Schuler. I'm Avery, you know, like, no, no, just a lot of people don't connect the dots and I get it. But yeah, no, she, we always told her she was adopted. It was just always, that's just who we were. I love it. I love that. I love, love, love that. 
That is like adorable. So are they like best friends, Allie and Avery, because they're so close? No, they're not. They're typical sisters. Actually, Allison and Austin are best friends. They have always been since day one. Mm -hmm. Their bond is very close. You know, they're only a grade apart. So because Allie started kindergarten young. And so he's in 12th. She's in 11th. And uh, they just have a lot in common. And I think now that Avery's in high school, there's a little more of like an acceptance and they include Avery a little bit more like if they go to Starbucks after school and hang out with friends, you know, Avery tags along now and she's like meeting more people. So she's being accepted into the high school crowd. You know what I'm saying? It's cute. But um, the girls, they're typical sisters, you know, they argue about because someone took someone's sweater and, you know, and, but then they share makeup and blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, they're great together. That sounds, I have a feeling that's how it's going to be in my house because Carter and Charlotte, they're a grade apart. Okay. So Charlotte is younger. She is a July birthday. When is Allie's birthday? She's October. Okay. Oh, so, okay. Cause nowadays they do this like TK thing. Right. But I feel like that's newer. So it is newer. And it's also like, but we went to privates. We were in private school all the way. And so it was something that I kind of pushed for because she was ready for kinder and But that was, TK wasn't even an option. Like you right. said, back then there was no TK. It was either like another year of preschool or kinder. And I was like, no, she's going into kinder. Right. She's ready. And yeah. I feel like, especially the girls, like if they tried to suggest Charlotte to be in TK, it would be an absolute no. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that, you know, Carter and Charlotte being one grade apart, just like Austin and Allie, it really does. It's like, they're like little twins. It's so cute. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. you had a busy household. Were you working during all that time? Yeah, I worked, I was working part-time when I had all three of the babies back when we lived in the Valley uh, with Zach at his company back in the Valley. And then I remember quitting at some point. I don't remember. Oh, oh, when I got pregnant with Anderson, I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I cannot, like I went, I worked through my pregnancy till it was like, you know, time to me not work anymore. I got put on bed rest towards the end, Mm -hmm. not for very long, but at that point, I was like, honey, I'm not coming back to work. He's like, why? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe four kids. Yeah, four, maybe there's four a kids under Four kids under six. I'm good. No, that's way too much. Okay, so when people look at your family and they see that you have one dark-skinned child, right? And then the rest uh-huh. are light. I'm sure you get a lot of stares and questions. Like, what is something, I guess, from an educational perspective for other people? Like, what would you say to other people in terms of, you know, kindness, questions? Is there anything people should know, do's or don'ts to be able to receive families like yours that are mixed families in a better way or something that you wish that they would know or not do? Or is there anything here that we can give the listeners to educate them further? You know, I'll start that off by saying we've been incredibly blessed and sometimes in a bit of disbelief that we've never felt anywhere we've ever gone, not once. Do I remember people looking at us weird or whispering or making comments? We've just truthfully never run into the experience of that. Now, is it because maybe people are thinking based on how close they look in age, like that she's just Allie's friend? You know, so we're out with like three kids and a friend. I don't know. But all I'm saying is that we don't seem to run into any negative energy from people, which is 
a really beautiful thing. We were prepped for it when we adopted. We were, we had to do a home study when we got home. And I'm, I kind of don't remember much of it because it was just like schoolwork. But I do remember they prepped us for like, you know, you might run into nasty people. And maybe it's just where we live out here in this area. People are are kinder and, and less judgmental. But, you know, we, we really haven't. Um, I think Avery has run into a little bit with peers. She's had a few people say things to her that hurt her feelings that we've had to address. But besides that, we've been, we've been really blessed. People have, and obviously people that know us, love us and are even in the community. I, she's just she's such a, an amazing, beautiful person. And everybody that loves Avery just really, really, everyone that meets her just really loves her. That is so beautiful. And I'm so glad to hear that. That's so wonderful. And yeah, I mean, look, she's one of the family and I think that's the goal and that's the dream. Open adoption versus closed adoption. What do those things mean? So an open adoption from what I understand, because I don't really know how this works internationally, but an open adoption is one where I believe that your records aren't sealed privately and a birth parent or you know, I'm assuming a birth parent either is, is actively taking a role in the child's life or has the ability to, because it's not sealed. It's not a closed adoption where that's confidential and, you know, they don't want anyone to be able to find them or, or make that contact. So with Avery's adoption, you know, international, I don't know, like, honestly, if it's open or closed, but what I can tell you is that we would be more than, over the moon if I could find her birth mom or a birth family member. Unfortunately, that it's it's really hard. Avery was born in a rural part of Ethiopia, country land. She was she was abandoned, but left in a location where she could be found so that she would be, you know, taken care of. And so she was found by a police officer and taken in and then taken to the orphanage. So, I mean, trying to find her family is like a needle in a haystack. They might not even have a a computer, you know, they might be living in a hut. I mean, it's, it's very, she just came from a very rural area. And, um, I did do like a 23 and me with her. And so we were able to find relatives, but we haven't found anybody closer than a fourth cousin, unfortunately. So I check it periodically to see if there's any new people that have popped up, but it's hard. I have her, I've put her on some, there's some specific websites that you can put like little bios on about like trying to connect birth families together. And so, I mean, I'm as more, as we progress with technology and more information, I'm doing what I can to try to, to find anybody so that Avery can, can make those connections, but I haven't been able to yet. So she is interested in those connections. It sounds like. She really is. She would love to to know her birth mom and oh my god that would be the greatest gift I could ever give her a hundred percent so I think it's hard for her too because she sees my relationship with my birth mom you know and so I feel I guilty is not the right word but I do feel it's hard sometimes and she loves Mary Beth you know like a grandma but I I know that she wants that and and I want that for her so hopefully, oh my gosh. hopefully this is unbelievable. 
it is it is so amazing that you can advocate for her or support her whatever the best word is kind of really just be by her side through this part of her life i think that's incredible that you're able to do that and you know instead of it being like oh i need to go off because i feel like a lot of people are like oh i have to go off on my own and they have to navigate the balance between their adopted family and their biological family and obviously you have some now experience with that as well and i'm sure it puts a lot of pressure on folks like yourself to kind of navigate that and walk that balance so the fact that you can be right by her side and kind of hold her hand through it is just so beautiful you are Thank like you. incredible you and zach are just like i die for you literally oh. like you guys are so amazing oh my Thank goodness oh god i feel like i've been holding back tears this whole time <laughs> <laughs> this is just like so incredible As Avery continues to grow up, does she just continue to kind of explore and think through and digest all that it means to be adopted? Like, does this, do you think that as she gets older, she has to continue to sort through it or she's just, I think, no, I think right now she's just living her best life. You know, um, I remember being that age and like, I could give two toots that I was adopted. It was just more of like, what do I going on at school today? Like whose house am I sleeping at this weekend? Where's yeah. the park? You know, whatever it is. Like, I think as she gets older and past this, you know, being a teenager is a very selfish stage of your life. Right. And not in a, in a bad way, we all did it. And that's how you grow and become who you kind of turn out to be on the, on the end side of it all. So rightly so she's just going through the motions and perhaps whether that looks to her to be in her early twenties or, Maybe once she gets married and, and starts a family, and then these questions really start to become more important to her. Like, you know, I really want to dig deep and figure out where I come from. I think that, that is more of a logical time when I think that she will look for those answers. Yes, absolutely. And one thing, I mean, you kind of mentioned that you guys had been able to do like kind of health checks and all of that. I guess one thing that I know, like with my aunt and then my cousin, <laughs> having that line of adoption, I think it can be tricky, especially as you get older, trying to find answers for like healthcare and things of that nature. It's interesting that you were able to acquire some background and health check. Like how extensive do you think that is? Like if somebody's out there thinking I'd love to adopt, but I'm afraid because I don't know what I'm getting, so to speak, in terms of signing up for like a health issue, potentially mm -hmm. God forbid, like how confident are you in terms of just understanding the overall health of the child that you're kind of receiving into your home? I think we felt really confident. I think hiring that adoption specialist pediatrician was key because he really knew things based on the country that she was coming from that we should be looking for. And we did find things that were um, not showing up in the first panel, but that he was confident, like would just be treated with Western medicine. Like she came home with Giardia and that wasn't, you know, we didn't have that information in the initial referral packet, which is fine. And he looked at it and he's like, well, she's got Giardia. They don't have the right medicine there to treat her. So we'll just put her on some antibiotics when she gets here and that'll be cleared up just like that. So nothing else has crept its head. Like we know that she had pneumonia as an infant and was hospitalized for it. And that she did come here with a heart murmur that she's outgrown. And besides that, she's pretty healthy. So thank God. I think that just 
doing the research and, and finding the right people to kind of guide you along the way. And some specialists is key. So if someone's ever looking to adopt and they have a potential child or a referral that, you know, they're able to then go back to either the orphanage or the agency or whomever is the, the guardian in that sense and say, well, we would like to do this kind of testing as well. That is so helpful and amazing. Now I have another question. So I know nothing about adoption in general, obviously, but I, I am curious, like, what is the state of things in the United States? Do you know anything about like, is there need for adoption really severe in the US or not that severe compared to various countries? Like, do you have any idea? I'm just like wondering high level yeah. what the state is. Do I don't really know. I don't really have a pulse on that. I know that the foster care system is completely broken and over overworked. I think there's, you know, a million kids in the foster care system, unfortunately. And we, that's probably a question that Zach and I get asked a lot is why did we choose to adopt internationally and not from our own backyard is what people like to say. And we, we considered it, but we felt that at the end of the day, even in the worst possible probable case scenario of being in the United States, these children are still having access to medicine and education and clean water. And being in the foster care system, it's not a joyful ride. And I'm not suggesting by any means that it is an easy life. We just looked at it as overall on the whole system scale, where we were able to take a child from, she just lacked so much more than any of you know, what we have here. So that was why we chose to go international. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can understand that. I think that makes sense too. Yeah. And people do foster is fostering. Like, I don't understand, like you foster somebody because you want to see if it works or why do people foster versus adopt? I think you can do both. I think you can foster to adopt. And then I think there's families that just like to open their doors. So it's kind of like, um, you know, maybe they're fostering a child and they come into the home at 14 and then at 18, they're an adult and now they're kind of out on their own. So they've given them love and shelter and family and guidance for those four years, but didn't officially want to adopt them. And then I think when that child moves on, they open their doors and they're ready to foster another child. So there's some people that I think just kind of look at it as like a bypass system to help keep kids healthy. And then I think there's some that, you know, look to even younger ages or maybe teenagers as well, but that actually want to make that a permanent part of, of their life. Got it. That makes sense. Our old nanny, she was in a foster care, I think from like 14 to 18. Okay. So yeah, that makes sense. Cause I guess, why would you adopt the kid? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it all depends, but okay. Well, that is interesting. Thank you so much for sharing all that. I'm like, it's so emotional. I mean, it's just such a beautiful undertaking and story. And obviously, you know, to you, it's like, yeah, this is just how it is. And I just, I just think it's the most beautiful, heartwarming, you know, story. And you and Zach are just incredible people. Oh, and, thank you um, so much. Gosh, I'm just, I just love you guys so much. Well, we love you too. 
All right, that is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram at Kimberly Lovey and let me know your thoughts about today's show. You can screenshot this episode and let us know what your biggest takeaway was and tag me at Kimberly Lovey and we can share it on our stories. I will see you again, same time, same place next week. <laughs>